0: Hi, Redeemer, welcome to this week's episode of Fighting Words. Donovan here. This week I am joined by Mariah. Bear it not, Mariah. Moriah.
1: Yeah, Moraya.
0: Mo with an O. Uh-huh. Mo Moriah. What's the story with that name?
1: Um, well my parents they they chose a lot of biblical names for their children. So, um I think it's like the mountain or the city at the base of the mountain when Abraham and Isaac go to, you know, sacrifice Isaac on mm, the mountain.
0: Murder Mountain. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's like a foreboding. Yeah people confuse your name all the time like
1: i get a lot of maria um no one really catches the o everyone misspells it and use i get a lot of like mariah carey the singer or um that's just lazy or that song oh you know what they call the wind mariah
0: <laughs> they call the wind more that's a song I don't yeah
1: know i get a lot of it's a lot of uh
0: oh you hear that listen to this folks oh you know how the headphones on. Oh, what? see that's why I have these on If I put my phone here there's like a little yeah, okay. interesting, yes, sorry, oh, the song
1: yeah, I think it's a really old song because it's only like old folks that comment with that, the wind, Mariah, yeah, so i I've never listened to it i've I've just not <laughs> I just not cared, I guess,
0: <laughs> well, I was named after a seventies singer, um. Named Donovan. Do mm-hmm. you know him? You heard of him? Yeah. No. My dad was a, a hippie. A Mexican hippie. What oh, knew?
1: there you go.
0: And so he liked that guy and named me Donovan. The other option was uh because the other thing he's into is kind of Aztec culture, you know, being from Mexico, he wanted to name me Huitili Pochli.
1: How how would that even <laughs> be spelled?
0: Um, is that a W? I think it's Did that it's, start with a I think, W? No, it's it's an H, silent H in Spanish, h-u-i we okay yeah, a lot of those aztec aztec names are really they do a lot of like the uh the tl
1: mm-hmm.
0: um quetzalcoatl like another one it's a weird name so Dang. thankfully they didn't go with that yeah donovan is is good enough so um <clears throat> excuse me well, Moriah is also in Lord of the Rings, of course, without the H.
1: Moria, right? Isn't oh, it I is
0: Moria, Mount Moria. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I don't, yeah, no H, but yeah, similar. Well, I think it's kind of like supposed to be pronounced like Jeremiah or Hezekiah, kind of masculine, actually, like Moriah, mm. you know? Yeah. So I don't think it's actually a female name or a feminine name. Yeah. If, it's, if we're going off of the Bible.
0: Well, in today's culture, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's what we're here to talk about yeah. anyway. Well, one last note before we transition transition t- to the topic <laughs> at hand. Um, you're going to have a baby. hmm Yeah. Six weeks to go. Yep. Yes.
1: Six weeks. We don't know what your we're Your first
0: baby. You're married to Keegan. So for those that don't know Mariah, they're members in our Cedar Rapids campus. hmm Keegan and Mariah Barrett. hmm And uh, about to have your first baby. Yes. Did you say... You don't know what you're having.
1: We don't know. We know it's a baby. Yeah. So it'll be a surprise. Yeah. We'll be happy with whatever the Lord gives us. But yeah. We we keep accidentally calling the baby a he and him, so there's an inkling there that it'll be a son. But
0: yeah, little Mariah. Mm-hmm. We <laughs> give him that masculine name. That'd be interesting. Name him after you. Moriah you know, Junior. We named my daughter after Aubrey. Yeah. You know we were gonna we were gonna we were toying around the name audrey which i like but then we're like we're almost there let's just do it yeah because we really liked it so but now she goes by chicken so most people don't really know that
1: yeah that's a cute nickname i love that nickname
0: yeah she's starting to be self-conscious of it now
1: you I know, can get that. You go to
0: school. What's teenager? Your, yep. What's your name, Aubrey? But then your sister shows up and goes, "Hey, chicken." <laughs> so they're like, "What?" <laughs> so inevitably, she just becomes chicken to everyone.
1: Well, and chicken has a bad connotation. You know, if you don't know the context, like it's like you're I never weak, thought of it that you're, way. You're, you're,
0: I just thought of it as, as sounding delicious. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You're weak. Yeah, I never made that that connection. You're That's like, weird. are
1: you chicken? You yeah.
0: know. So, Mariah, you reached out to me. Uh, basically with some comments slash questions and, uh, I'm trying to find it here.
2: Yeah. <laughs> basically kind of regarding the always. whole
0: like gender, sexuality issues of current times. Yeah. There's always some issue, but it's, it feels like it's spun out of control in this last, totally. last 10 years. Um, and so we'll, we'll discuss some of that. And I just thought, well, let's have the conversation. In public, so others can benefit from it, and yeah, hopefully. But maybe um, tell me why? What's the motivation to, you know, kind of iron some of this out, um, dig into it?
1: Yeah. So, I feel like as far as like sexual immorality and things like that, like the Bible is pretty black and white. Um, but I think there's a lot of gray area, like specifics that the Bible doesn't like specifically address so it's like okay we really have to lean into like what does the scripture say studying the scripture and then also like listening to the holy spirit and like our convictions there um but i think the last couple of years i've really been like i don't know bothered in my like core like about how the church like kind of raised me in 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 talking or not talking about like sexuality um in general and just kind of being like oh it's taboo and like sweep it under the rug and like it doesn't exist and um I think especially like with females like I I experienced a culture of in youth group like okay, we take the boys in one room and we talk about porn and we take the girls in the other room and we talk about how you need to be modest and protect your brothers. And I'm just like, okay, so girls don't struggle with porn? Like, okay, so girls don't have like lustful thoughts? Like things like that. And I feel like the LGBT community as well felt a lot of that in my generation. Like, oh, it's just a face. Oh, it's just you're curious. Oh, it's like... It's a choice, and like God didn't make you that way. But wait a minute, like we're all made. It, you know, we born we're born into this sin nature. So, is it a choice? Like, do does we it act- matter? Yeah.
0: All right. Let's. Uh, all right. So, so obviously, some history there, and uh, um, you have a. We'll kind of work through this as a format. I think I'll work through this. Uh, yeah. These questions you sent, but maybe we'll start there with that one. Um, so this isn't necessarily in any logical order from beginning to end, but but that comes up a lot, this issue of choice. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, people debate on whether or not let's say uh, homosexual tendencies or orientation mm-hmm. is a choice, right and then that's where the debate happens like and you know, I think the premise is from the Christian perspective they're they're saying well let' let me start from the other perspective from the um, the gay community if they're saying this is not a choice this is just how I am the premise there is that therefore it's it, it's not sin it can't be sin because it's not a choice right mm-hmm. it's it's not something that I'm just choosing like I chose to rob a bank or I chose
1: but our to desires are wrong
0: right so that's that's what we'll get to you and the christian response is no no it is a choice and therefore um you know it is a sin and yeah what you just yeah. said I think more sums up what I think is the biblical perspective and Redeemer's perspective is that it's kind of an irrelevant question whether it's a choice. It's not the point. Yeah, I um, agree. Right? So like you said, if our desires are wrong, so maybe, maybe you were, I think it probably varies. I think some people probably were born with a certain orientation right. other than others and some people that developed through some kind of life experience. Mm-hmm. I also think most people probably could be end up with those tendencies, depending on their life circumstances, I almost say any everyone. Yeah, there's a nature
1: I, and nurture aspect for sure. Like yeah. we're socialized, but also sometimes it's already there without the socialization.
0: And I think the socialization thing could be really, really huge, like um, more than people think. Like I, I've toyed around with teaching a preaching a sermon called "Everybody's Gay." Um, which
1: I've heard this idea,
0: where the idea is let me back until that's obviously an inflammatory way to put it but it's on purpose but the idea is that everyone is sexually corrupt Mm -hmm. right so that's that's just the fact because of our sin nature everyone is sexually corrupt and then the way that that manifests is going to depend a lot on your nurture yeah right and so there's a lot of kind of key points along your life I think that that can manifest that but anyway the main point being is does, does choice matter and we'd say no like at the end of the day what we are saying is that we were born into a sinful condition
2: mm-hmm.
0: without choice
2: mm-hmm.
0: right yeah in fact I would say the absence of choice only makes the matter worse here's what I mean let's say you in a, in a courtroom okay. and there's a man on trial for murder and the his oh. defense lawyer says he has no choice he is just what he is i would say oh my gosh then he definitely needs to be locked up it only makes matters oh, worse
1: yeah like he can't control himself yeah
0: it is who he is so when god is holding us responsible for our sin Mm. he's not holding us responsible for the things we did or the choices we made for for what for what we are this tree is rotten yeah well it doesn't have a choice exactly so it needs uprooted Mm. it needs transformed so choice doesn't absolve the issue it only makes Mm. it worse or absence of choice
1: well i agree with that like i I can't stand it actually when people say, well they have a choice. I'm like, I don't know. Like, like what if you're you know, there you're completely uh have an aversion to the opposite sex and you can never see yourself marrying the opposite sex and you but you feel this calling on your life of like following the Lord and seeing that he is better and like, okay, I guess I'm celibate then, like, because I have a complete aversion to the opposite sex and I know the Bible preaches against um, same sex um, coupling. So yeah, I just have to deny that part of myself.
0: Yeah, Yeah, to say to someone they have a, here's another way to think about the choice angle. Like if you're saying, well, they have a choice, I mean, at some level, they have a choice to act or not act, right? But, but not to be oriented a certain way because you could flip it on its head and say, okay, hetero male choose to be attracted to males, right? You're like, oh, I guess when you take it to the attraction level, you realize, oh, you don't, you don't actually have freedom. Free <laughs> yeah. free will is what I would say. Free will, freedom of the will is not the ability to choose different things; it's the yeah. ability to want different things, right?
1: Well, it's like your taste buds. Like some people like chocolate cake, and some people don't. And you can't change your taste buds. Like how do you change those? If you hate chocolate cake, maybe you can eat it and try it, but you're not gonna like it, you're not gonna desire it. Whereas other people, it's like something to be desired and sought after and like tempted by, you know? Yeah.
0: And I think this really is important to draw out compassion because, so again, everyone is um, sexually, uh corrupt, right? So yeah. let's take me. I'm a heterosexual married man. Well, there's still temptation to lust and all that, like so I have to decide that that's gonna be something I'm gonna resist and fight against my whole life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: okay, so there's an analogy there, like, and someone who has homosexual tendencies, if they're deciding to follow Jesus, we're gonna make the same decision, and I know people that have made that decision, yeah, but I think it's a harder path because at least I get to have a wife. Yeah, you know, it's like well, at least I have my wife, and I could have that. You know, not that that's all she is—is is a sexual outlet, but she's a friend, a partner, mm-hmm. a you know, sexual partner. All these things I get to have that, and I just have to resist these other things that might manifest if I'm not careful. Mm-hmm. But they have—if they're going to follow Jesus in this—they have to lay that whole thing down, right? Or just well, I'm going to get married, and now you're married in a situation where you don't have sexual attraction. Like it, you just have to understand that the. the enormity of that challenge and be compassionate about that yeah that's a huge a huge sacrifice
1: well that's why a lot of people just give up and succumb to it and then we have people on one side of the aisle that are like uh not really condemning or addressing any sexual sin that happens in the church at all like okay people can cohabit and um marry the same sex and that's totally you know Fine, uh, as a Christian, you can you can do that, and I'm just like, whoa, wait a minute! Like, what is sex created for? What is marriage created for? Like, you're missing the point, you know? Um,
0: yeah, let me. Can I? I want to hit up. Uh, you actually did bring up a couple other issues as you were ranting about your childhood. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, do only boys struggle with porn? Right, so right, split the group, split the group up. Boys want to talk about porn, girls want to talk about modesty. So I would like to hit up both of those issues.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Why do you think that that was kind of the default position? Why did why, what led this culture to manifest?
1: Well, I think it's. I mean, it makes sense to make general, uh, general statements like men are visual, and so it makes sense that they they would struggle with porn more. And you know, porn is marketed to men more, hetero men especially, um, and women. Yeah, we are called to adorn ourselves with dignity and honor. Um, but there, there's other reasons for why women might watch porn, and it's you know, it's it's an emotional or. Um,
0: well, and they're certainly going to have a purely sexual angle on it, yeah, too. Yeah, just... totally.
1: But, like, um, especially, like, in my generation, maybe a few few millennials as well, but especially mine, and then it's getting worse into Gen Z, is, like, technology that we've been raised with. So it's not just, like, a magazine anymore. It's, like, it at your fingertips all the time if you have a smartphone or a smart anything. Um and so like it's really more 45 55 like females and men watching porn.
0: Are you just making that statistic up.
1: No, I actually I actually like <clears throat> learned that at um I was
0: just looking that up. So thanks I was trying to find ministry, that. College ministry.
1: I'm pretty sure. College ministry that I I was involved in, in college um the navigators.
0: Yeah, um, the accessibility thing makes makes a difference for sure because let's say uh Let's say men are more prone to it. Well, then they're going to be willing to go through this. Well, I got to go to the store. I got to go buy the thing. I got to. Yeah. But if the barrier is lowered to like, well, all I got to do is click this button. Right. Then, you know, women who may not be willing to take those extra steps, like, well, I'm curious. Yeah. Let's see.
1: Well, and if we awaken love before it's time, it's like, okay, your passions have been awakened and now you can get it at any time, anywhere. <laughs> you know, like, um,
0: yeah, so I think the, the maybe take one of the main takeaways here is yeah, don't presume this is just a boy issue. Yeah, right.
1: I think it's I think it's harmful and hurtful to assume that um, because it's the same with like the L, like the LGBT community that's getting raised in the church and they're not coming out of the closet. Like I I um, felt like I couldn't talk to anyone about my sexuality at all um, in high school, not until college because I was just like I'm going to be looked down upon and frowned upon and singled out and um and judged. Um I didn't feel safe to like have an open conversation with anybody until college. And you know, the navigators have has really been like it you're not alone in this. Like literally it's f- like 40%, 45% of women now like your age and younger. So um I think well, and just like talking about being a sexual being at all wasn't really Ex- accepted or open <laughs> you know I was just like
0: well and so i mean in, in fairness i think part of the re- there's a lot of reasons for that one is uh and um i do think that the the church can still be kind of uh a- ascetic or kind of ca- catholic in it's in it's mindset or pro- uh posture towards sex is that yeah It's more just like a a problem Mm -hmm. than a gift, right? And so, if we don't have a theology of it's, you know, it's of a danger. Here's where it can go wrong, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and that's true. But let's talk about what, like you said, what its purpose is. What I have a a, certain. In fact, I'll maybe I'll link in the comments to this um, podcast. There's a a sermon I preached on sex as a weapon in the fight for joy. So that'll give you some kind of basic theological. grounding for it but ba- here's the basic theology i said uh um marriage is a shadow of the covenant right so we have a covenant with god right through the gospel through jesus christ marriage is a shadow of that right so right. the man is the, the plays the role of christ the woman plays the role of the church It's a shadow of this covenant the two shall become one okay well sex is the shadow of the intimacy mm-hmm Right? So it's not just that we're coming into it. Well, for what? Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's that's what we're looking forward to. Not sex with God, but full intimate union with yeah. him. Sex is a picture of that. It's a beautiful thing. So it's just an example of like teaching on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's one of the issues I think is that, you know, it has been more just viewed as a danger.
1: Um, and I'm- I get that. Like... <clears throat> be very cautious talking about these things with our youth, because again, we don't want to awaken their passions before their time. But at the same time, like the world is doing that by the time they're 11 on average. So what are we doing as the church? Um, And I think I'm feeling like this is really hitting home now because I'm entering motherhood and being a parent. And like, I'm like, how am I going to combat the discipleship of the world? you know yeah
0: so as a parent so here so as a parent i have kids my oldest is 15. we've taken what i would say probably a more open than average at least in our community approach to uh how we talk to them about this stuff yeah but we are trying to balance things we're trying to balance um a lot of things um one educating them discipling them uh two Wanting them to just have a real normal kind of approach to how this this isn't the weird thing, mm-hmm. um, but also what you said about not awakening love too soon. So like my son went to high school, started start going to high school. You know he's been homeschooled and now he's dual enrolling. He's going to high school, and I could, you know, tell he's become he's hearing things that he hasn't heard. You know I'll I'll just ask him hey do you know what this means. know some sexual term or something he's like no and I know when I was 12 I knew that and I know and I'm like okay so then I was debating like okay like he's gonna hear this stuff should he hear it from me okay that kind of sounds good okay so what am I gonna do get down and just write down every sexual term I can think of and give him a give him a a, a fornication lesson and now I'm just like oh gosh what's that gonna is that just gonna make him like curious and go right so it's not easy so my point is and this is where I say I uh, have some understanding on the church level of the challenge of that. As a parent, just within your own culture and your own values, it's you're trying to figure that out. Now, how do we do that with 100 families? You know, and the youth group, youth leaders just come out and go, hey, here's what we're doing and here's what we're teaching and not every parent's on the same page with that. So it's, Ooh, it isn't easy yeah. to do that at a corporate level.
1: It'd be so sticky. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So but we've done some stuff. I think... Uh, I mean, I think there's ways to uh, you know to navigate that, Hey, here's something we're going to be teaching through. You know, if you want your kids to be there or not. Mostly, we've we've done a couple of things, and parents have been involved. Our youth leader in Cedar Falls, Michael Van Wardizen, who's now gone, uh, planting a church in Colorado, Capital City Church. Cap City Church. Um, he did a. Him and his wife did a full on like sex ed with the students, going from theology, like everything we were talking about the covenant all this, to QA about culture and all this stuff and they sent all the stuff out to the parents that's awesome and said hey here's what we're recovering and nobody pulled their kids out so that was a good sign i was like yeah okay now there was a high trust level with them and it was a transparency about what they were going to be teaching but yeah um yeah i get it it's it's uh it, so anyway there's some just kind of complicating factors of being able to do that because of the corporate size but also um yeah, I think people are just generally, well, I, th- I think parents are not, some parents are comfortable. I think as a whole, uh, most parents aren't comfortable talking with their kids about this stuff. So you just mm-hmm. kind of brush it under, the, mm-hmm. sweep it under the rug. Mm-hmm. And that can happen at a corporate level. But yeah, like you said, they're, they're going to get discipled somewhere. They're going to hear this stuff. Right. And you want to be the primary influence and love them and give them Uh biblical grounding and yeah a place of safety
1: yeah um i took an lgbt studies in in college at kirkwood i was i didn't want to but for the major i was going for human services i had to um and it was actually really stretching and and good for me in different ways but um God brought the the scripture of the the woman caught in adultery to me while I was taking that class and just how like this is how we need to talk to uh, believers and non-believers that struggle with same sex attraction or um, oh man, I I don't even know I'm so confused about all the transgender stuff, but um, just like Jesus is like, your sins are forgiven now go and sin no more and it's like
0: well we have- even that's inflammatory
1: yeah i know i know but like it's like the 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 two sides of the aisle i see as far as how the church addresses this you know generally in america in the midwest is like we've got oh no like god created you that way and like go ahead and like keep sinning you know
0: so there's like kind of like the grace <laughs>
1: yeah too much grace so we've got the grace camp and then we've got the too much truth camp which is like comes off kind of harsh and and authoritarian and like just white knuckle it and 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 um you know uh crawl your way out of that or whatever and it's and it's like you're a sinner and, like, you're depraved and all that. But then there's, like, not this coming alongside them in empathy and being, like, let's do this together and let's, like, work on this go and sin no more, like, together as a, as a body, you know? Kind
0: like, of how we would expect us all to treat one another regarding any issue. Yeah. I mean, if there's one thing, if someone's, like, a you know, hostile and doesn't want to talk and is cooperative, like, well, you can't, you can't have discipleship relationship with anybody in that condition, but... It's uh, it's the fight, the fight mm-hmm. for joy, right? Like, yeah. Got so, for example, when I find out that a guy has struggling with some kind of sexual sin, I don't just go, "Oh, you horrible sinner, get out of here!" Like you, um, but we walk with them, mm-hmm. we encourage them, we pray for them, and and there's a long, mm-hmm. um, this is just a lot of grace, but also calling them to to change, to transformation, mm-hmm. to repentance. Um, I think another complicating factor is that this this fans out into a culture war. It isn't, so if you're dealing with one individual and man, you can kind of read where they are and how receptive they are to input. And, yeah. Wow. But this, this, like I said, fans out into the broader culture. Now it becomes, and the church shouldn't be this. The church needs to be able to re- respond graciously to this. But the church is put back on its heels because it's viewed as, it's not just, well, that's your opinion, man. It's like, oh, you're an oppressor. Mm-hmm. Like from the non-Christian, I'm trying to fight for joy, part of the LGBT community, which is the majority, it's like, no, no, no. The Christian church is has taken the culture captive, is an oppressor, and basically we need to break the shackles of cisgendered, heteronormative, like, and so it's not just like a, a, a talk about, you know, what might be better. They're the enemy. Mm-hmm. And now the church is like, oh, you also we're the enemy now? Well, mm-hmm. you're the enemy. And it's like, okay, that's really difficult to that, – that can cloud the whole thing, mm-hmm. you know? We're on the ground. I think you probably have – I know plenty of people at Redeemer that feel like you feel, right? They're like they're having those conversations and they're engaging with people that way and they're not, mm-hmm. you know, standing on the corner with – You know, God hates homo signs and like, but that that clouds everything. So now, Mm -hmm. that may be the presumption someone has when they're in the LGBT community. Mm -hmm. They go, "Oh, that's who you are." You know, you're that person, and you you don't identify with that posture. Yeah. So it's it's there's just a lot of chaos.
1: Yeah. Well, I just keep being reminded of like our battle isn't against flesh and blood. Like the enemy knows what he's doing with this culture war. And he's like, I want to create chaos and discord. That's his whole thing, and and tear the church down and tear the institution of the family down, especially the family. I think, um, you know, there's so many ways that the enemy has attacked the family with divorce and with sexual immorality and with um, abortion, (laughs) you know, things like that. Where it's just like, man, this is we're getting so lost in the weeds and like this, the splinter talk, as you call it, you know, it's not, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's for me, I I've had quite a few like LGBT people in my life uh, as a believer. And like, I see their humanity. And when I see their humanity, I'm able to have compassion on them, you know, like, Christ did when he saw the crowds that were harassed and helpless like with they don't have a shepherd they are lost you know and we do and so it's like they don't they don't know what to put their identity in they put it in their sexuality or or their whatever I mean it's not just sexuality like people put their identity in their career or their kids or whatever and like uh yeah you're not just a walking sexual like an ideology
0: being. or something like yeah. So <coughs> yeah, I think you make an important point, which is you, this can become abstract. Or oh, we're having these discussions in the abstract or keyboard warrior style or something. But it's like, well, okay. Like you said, when you actually know people, yeah, it's like oh, this your niece or nephew or your cousin or your brother or or you or your mom. Like yeah. suddenly something is revealed. You're like or you know them it's like oh this is personalized right and that I've seen that happen someone's son comes out gay someone's niece transitions and it's like oh and you love them yeah and it's like okay like this yeah humanizing the humanizing aspect is really important and I think it's difficult if people don't don't have that connection Mm -hmm. um so they should probably go to the gay club and make some friends.
1: <laughs>
0: Maybe I've known people who felt like that was their mission and have entered those spaces, and yeah, God's done stuff. Um, you have a couple questions here. Uh, is conversion therapy a good idea? Does it work? Well, I mean, there's studies about out there, and you know, many examples of it failing. And um, so, just define conversion therapy as someone who's desiring to follow Jesus. They have uh, homosexual orientation. They don't want it. Mm -hmm. and so they enter some sort of basically therapy counseling to to change that um i mean i have thoughts i'm sure you do what are your thoughts
1: uh i don't think it should ever be recommended just because i i'm i'm pretty set in the camp of like we're born in a sin nature and so um you can't really choose what desires and lusts you have uh Obviously, you can fight them with the strength of the Holy Spirit. But as far as, like, can you be completely transformed without Christ? Like, I don't know if... Well, hold on. What do you mean without Christ? Like...
0: So like, I'm, not, I, I'm
1: not presuming that's I a think whip. the conversion therapy is, like, I don't know how involved, like, you know, the Bible is in it. But um, I just well, it's heard some gonna really sick and twisted, like things
0: let me ask you this let me change let me frame it this way do you have a friend who's you know a christian and has homosexual orientation yeah and says to you i don't want that will you pray with me for god to change that would you say no
1: no i mean i I would i would pray with them yeah
0: so is that conversion therapy
1: Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know
0: so it depends on what you mean by that, right? Is it a brand of a thing? Like, what do we mean? We mean all oh, this specific thing, these specific programs, their history, their things that they've done. Okay, that's really hard to navigate. But if we're, if the basic question is, um, yes, we're born with desires. Mm-hmm. Does God change them? Am I, you know? He can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And is this something that's outside of that category? Well yeah, he can take away your bitterness and he can take away your, you know, your desire for porn. Yeah. I've seen that happen. He you know, I've seen people who are have adulterous just inclinations just like go through that and and repent and it's like not who they are. Like, is this one the exception? Well, not this one, you know, we can't.
1: I I think just the conversion therapy the way that i've read about it and like heard about it is just been it's it's i feel like it's done more harm than good and it's made the individual focus on their sin and the wrong thing and how to like um keegan and i were talking about this last night like any sin or or suffering or trial in your life like if you're focusing on that it's taking your focus off of god And, and instead of being like look to god and how he's better and bigger and um stronger and things like that like instead we're we're distracted by how we can't get rid of this thing it's like he, keegan last night was like it's like it's like thinking about elephants all the time and then trying your hardest to not think about elephants by reminding yourself not to think about elephants
0: yeah i i get that <laughs> i think it's uh so this is where balance and wisdom comes in i, I hear what you're saying um so the way forward, you know, our theology says that the way forward, the real transformation is, is beholding Christ and His glory and His beauty, and that changes the heart. Yeah. Yes. So hold that. I don't think that means we can't take particular things before God and say, God, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and if that means, well, that's all you're thinking about now, it's like, well, maybe, and maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe people you've read about, that's what they're doing. But I want to be careful, you know, like... <clears throat> Yeah, that we can't... To say, you know, God, I have a, bit, a root of bitterness against my cousin because she sinned against me. It's like, well, no, no, don't talk about that. Just look at me. Mm-hmm. It's like, but I think you look at him in light of that. Right, it's, right? it's It's his... What you want is... He's the opposite of the root of bitterness. He's the root of David, right, that has that has grace upon grace. You yeah. go like, God, I want that, transform my bitterness to that, and let me be... And then you major on that. Be, I want to behold your grace. I believe that's the power. But... So again these it comes down to like balance and wisdom like yes you yeah. don't want to just sit and dwell on your sin and self-pity and it's like that's just denying the gospel and denying the power of God and mm-hmm. and beholding the wrong thing absolutely yeah i think that so is that what is that if that's what you mean by conversion therapy like yeah i guess that wouldn't be good
1: or therapy in general
0: yeah sometimes it can i do think that uh, one of the challenges to therapy or counseling is that it can weigh, it, it, it can become way too internal focus. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, oh, let's just look at ourselves. And now, so, that, so that's where you get into. There's different types of counseling and biblical mm-hmm. counseling at its best, I think is gonna draw you to Christ. Yeah, draw I think counseling's
1: to- pointless without Christ at the center of it. Like, cause the postmodern, like, oh, just, like, love yourself and, and make time for yourself and, I cringe at the phrase self-care I'm like okay but what do you mean by that you know and uh, yeah if Christ isn't isn't the the goal or the the center the focus it's like what what are we hoping in then there is no hope for getting better or getting fixed
0: right is so can here's a question. Yeah. Can I still follow Christ and be gay? We've kind of been talking about that. So um
1: is it okay to identify as a gay Christian if you're not acting on that? Or should you even identify as gay at all and just identify as a Christ follower?
0: Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm a gay Christian. Well, I wouldn't for many reasons, but <laughs> but likewise, I don't go around saying I'm a heterosexual Christian or I'm a yeah. or, or you know pick a sin tendency. I'm an angry Christian, like a, you yeah, know, I'm, a, I'm a whatever you know. I'm a gambling Christian, like um. No, I don't. Yeah, that's not your identity, right? Right. I think that's an over overstatement, but so I mean, real simply, like, can you be gay and follow Christ? Well, are you saying? Can a person who has homosexual orientation or tendencies, temptations, be bo- a born again believer who's walking with Jesus? Yes. Mm-hmm. If the question is, th- is does that not matter because God doesn't care about it, and just what are you talking about? Just be a Christian and have fun with your gayness? Like, no. It's something that we we they would need to be in battle with, with Christ, mm-hmm. you know, like
1: Mhm. Yeah.
0: Here's the other thing is uh, one of the things that I think people um assume is like while well, pe- these people aren't welcome at churches and they're not they don't feel comfortable. It's like Well, I guess there's probably something to that as a whole. But the other thing is, like, you don't know who's at our church. Like, we don't advertise this. You know, next slide, please. Here are all the people that have confessed their homosexual tendencies to us. (laughs) And they're like, they're in the church. Mm -hmm. They're in the church. And don't assume. Yeah. Just like we don't advertise anybody's temptations and weaknesses. And we're not running slides on this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness. Yeah. So, um yeah don't assume yeah. and that doesn't mean there's not room for growth and there could be more but they're they're out there yeah and uh, yeah and we talk with them and pray with them and I but yeah they, they trust who they want to trust let them into their battle just like anything and then that's that's where they are
1: mm-hmm. yeah and like God has revealed his goodness to them and that he's better and so thankfully they have that desire to follow him you know <laughs> and fight fight their urges of their flesh or whatever I mean but we all have that like right we all have urges of the flesh that we have to fight yeah and every, the
0: have, whole room is just filled with just <laughs> potential
1: and we have crime. to de- deny ourselves we're called <clears throat> to take up our crosses you know so
0: do I have to marry someone of the opposite sex even if I'm not attracted to them <clears throat> yes
1: next question <laughs> Wait a second, doesn't Paul say that it's better to be single for the gospel?
0: Yeah. Yeah, in that context. He said the be. the advantage is that, you know, he points out the advantage that is that he can be singularly focused, right? He doesn't have to occupy his time with wife and kids. And not that that's a bad thing, but that in his, you know, there's an advantage which is more kingdom work in terms of like um I, I want, yeah, I'd like to tease that out a little bit because it's not like having a wife and raising kids isn't kingdom work, right. you know. So I think he's just saying, I think he's speaking specifically to the idea of like, if you want to like go out and venture to and put all your full time energy into like expanding, you know, where Christ has not been preached, it's gonna be hard to drag wife and kids along with that, or to leave them at home or husband and kids, whichever way you even look at it. Or then just to leave them at home and now you're just like, well, what's your real calling? And so I wouldn't pit those things against each other in terms of they're both kingdom work. Like look, one of the things I point out often to people is that you read Ephesians, you read Colossians, like a handful of the epistles follow this pattern is that Christ, Paul preaches this massive gospel of tremendous cosmic impact. Like think of Ephesians, we've been predestined and now we're seated with Christ in the heavenlies and like, oh my gosh, like what? Well, it's like this fairy tale. And you okay, Paul, what should we do? He's like, love your wife. Submit to your husband, raise your kids, mm-hmm. honor your employer. It's like, wait, I thought we were gonna do something incredible. He's like, Yeah, you are. That's incredible. So I wouldn't want to pit those things as like, well, that's lesser but I do think he's saying there's a there's an advantage, obviously, demograph to, to that demograph, to the single demograph that you, you can, can just go, get up and go. go. you yeah. go to India and you don't have these other considerations. Right. Um, so no, you don't well number one, I mean, let's just kind of rephrase the or shorten the question. You know, do I have to marry someone of the opposite sex, even if I'm not attracted to them? Let's just say, do I have to marry? Right. Well, no. No, you don't have to. You don't have to marry. In fact, boy, I mean, what does that look like? You marry? Let's say you you have homosexual orientation only. Right. Are you going to tell this woman that is she aware of this or this man like? you're gonna hide that i don't think so i think if you i guess maybe if you have some arrangement where you're like hey this is strictly business we're gonna raise kids and i don't know
1: that's a bit strange though like why even enter into yeah
0: i guess you're not gonna have a sexual portion of it i don't know just find a friend and adopt some kids together or something i don't know
1: yeah is that okay is that okay to be a single person and adopt and adopt
0: well let's see why not I mean essentially when mother Teresa went into like these little villages that there's just kids littered about she's <laughs> being their their mother yeah you know so yeah yeah there's so much need for it out there like
1: yeah totally I th- these questions mostly stem from just some like um I don't know I don't like using big catchphrase catch words but um like toxic <laughs> things i've heard communicated from older believers to younger believers that are you know questioning their sexuality and struggling with these ideas and thoughts it's like yeah uh well you can't be single and adopt well you can't you got to get married because like i don't i don't know what the the purpose is of that but it's just like well you got to get married well i want grandkids and like stuff like that and it's like mm, well, that's just what is that? Like, why? Where does it say that in the Bible? I'm confused. <laughs> you know? Um,
0: why are we. Well, some of that is th- the reason that maybe you're getting that from the older g- generations, maybe, is that the, they didn't have to think through these things that critically because it wasn't as big of a challenge. It was just kind of easier to just settle <laughs> into some kind of assumed kind of. Uh, Conservative culture, yeah. traditional family thing—like, wow, that's what we do. Okay, like, but then all of a sudden, you have a myriad of issues. Man, there's always been sexual sin and all that. So I'm not saying that, but the pre- it has changed the prevalence, you know, of uh, the gender issue, the uh, the LGBTQIA whatever like issue. Like this, this it's undoubtedly. A, a more prolific manifest problem, at least. Maybe a lot of these things were dormant, right? Now yeah. you have a broader culture that is, because even even historically, the broader culture was kind of more Christianized. So whether or not it was actual Christian, it was still like participating in like, hey, here's what's good, here's what's normal. Mm-hmm. And now you have postmodernism, basically say that nothing's normal, there's no norm, everything's good, and so people respond to that, and all these things come out of the woodwork and this guy who's 65 70 years old never had to deal with that and he hasn't had the the need to think critically biblically about it mm-hmm. you know but we have to
1: yeah yeah this whole like well that's your truth and my truth and things like that and I'm like yeah I get it but also um my phone's buzzing I thought I turned it off um <clears throat> Sorry. It's right. Where is it? Oh, it's over here. Go away. Oh, love you. Okay. Um So what was I what was I saying?
0: Um Oh postmodernism, the your truth, my truth. Yeah,
1: there. and just how it's like, but what if your truth clashes with my truth? What if they're completely opposite then? it's like whose truth is the truth then?
0: Well, a true postmodernist <laughs> A, an actual postmodernist, which is kind of how I used to think before I was a Christian, and this is where Nietzsche ended up, Yeah, is that the word truth doesn't actually mean anything. So stop pretending. It's actually just power. All truth claims are just power plays. So let's be honest. So a true postmodernist will see all, through all that and say, you know what? There is no truth. Because we can't know it, that's what postmodernism is basically at its root, saying we can't really know truth. So let's stop playing around with that. Yeah, it's not my truth; it's what I want. And you're in my way, and you want what you want. But most people don't think it through that fully or are that honest about it. But if you're going to be a true postmodernist, the word truth loses meaning. Yeah. And this is all just power. The word justice loses. There's no. How can you have truth justice without truth? There's no justice.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's just what I want. You know, mm-hmm. like, well, we shouldn't we shouldn't have slaves. Why not? I want them. Who are you to, you know, that's... Yeah. But I think what happens is the human heart comes, kind of gets close to, like, the implications of that and and falls short and backs up and goes, oh, we still want justice. Well, I thought you are saying there's no truth. And then you've got this incoherent worldview. But I view that as a mercy of God. Yeah. You know, he's like even people who deny the presence of god and the absoluteness of truth will say we shouldn't kidnap kids rape girls enslave people it's like it doesn't make sense within their worldview
1: yeah we're
0: getting off topic
1: because <laughs> i could i could talk about
0: this stuff you know for a whole episode too. well i think
1: as far as like the truth that i think that i can maybe bring it back to is the church has uh you know, our truth is in Scripture and in God and who He says He is and who He says we are. But then there's the LGBT community that is threatened by that, and then we're likewise threatened by them because they want they want their freedom of speech, and I would even call it a religion um, to an extent. Some of those inv- individuals do do worship their identity and worship their community, and then. Um, were threatened by that because it's like but we want our freedom of speech and our freedom of religion and and it's kind of yeah there's just been a lot of clashing there and and i probably a lot of fear of like i'm not gonna get my freedom of speech and my freedom of religion if if that other side wins
0: right well the the good news is that the gospel <clears throat> has mostly historically spread in contexts where. There wasn't freedom of speech and freedom of religion you know like mm-hmm. i guess that's kind of nice if we have it mm-hmm. but when you read about india and you read about iran and you read about china like it's against the law to proclaim the gospel yeah right so i guess it's a perk we'll take it if we can but it's not a prerequisite of the kingdom in fact from what we see it might be more powerful. There's something to when the when the church becomes the dominant power, it loses its prophetic edge,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? And and the temptation, and I think what happens is that it gets diluted, right? It's just a culture instead of a um, you know, instead of an actual relationship with Christ. Um, there's and this is what happened with Israel. Um, there's a you can buddy up to power, right? And now you have a merging of the church and the oligarchy for goodness sake and that's what we've lived under and i think god has been here and been present and doing things but it, historically the church stands in opposition to world power not um it isn't the world power mm-hmm. right and when that happens there's something fundamentally askew that goes wrong and it it kind of contains the seeds of its own destruction and i think that's what we're seeing and christians here who have historically held the dominant narrative which we yeah. have are seeing that slip away and they need to trust in God yeah right and get to a real kingdom work
1: well it makes me excited because I <clears throat>
0: well I see unless it goes really bad
1: <laughs> well here's what I can see God doing in it and him being glorified in it is like yeah bring the persecution bring the the spiritual warfare and and um And let's see, like I don't know. Let's just like see who who the real kingdom workers are, and like who who's on you know ready to you know put their money where their mouth is. I guess as far as being in the church, and um, we're so asleep in America. We're so asleep, like the the churches, just about being on mission. And, 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 and the urgency. There's well, no urgency. Well, because if it feels like home. Yeah.
0: You know, it's like, oh, wait, wait. So we do. We can have our freedoms. <clears throat> we can have jobs. This almost feels like heaven.
1: Yeah, we're so comfortable. Where's the, where's the urgency?
0: Now, I hear you and I agree with that. And I'm also afraid. Because it's one thing to say, man, it's going to be wild. And like, yeah. the gospel is really going to move. It's like, OK, they're going to rape your wife in front of you unless you denounce Christ. Ew. Oh, my gosh. That happens. Yeah. And then we're going to behead your kids in front of you. You're going to watch them all like, okay, let's be careful what we ask for. <laughs> yeah. So I agree, and I'm afraid. Yeah. And uh. And I'm trusting the Lord to take care of us as whatever, whatever happens. Mm-hmm. Is it sinful to have children? Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Is it sinful to remain single if I struggle with lust? Okay, because I'm guessing that's because Paul says if you... Like, he basically seems to have, like, God's taken that from him. He had a uh, uh, conversion therapy, apparently, where his lustful, it wasn't, you know, I'm sure he found women pretty or whatever, but that just wasn't, he wasn't at home like, oh gosh, I've got to have sex, I've got to have, have sex. And so he says, you know, I'm I'm free, remain single and go do my job. But he goes, man, if this is a battle for you, you better go get married. Better right? to
1: like, be married than to burn with passion, yeah.
0: Right, so does that mean that if you don't do that, that you're in sin because you're disobeying, you know? i don't know i think he mean i think he just means like are you gonna Well, is it better to marry than to burn with passion
1: but but you can burn with passion for others in your marriage you can still struggle with lust in your marriage right there's still sexual sin believe it or not in marriage yeah. marriage doesn't fix that
0: right so yeah but i think it's the it's the i think the challenge is that is the almost like it seems like a pretty clear command from him like and uh, I don't know. I think we could say it's. <coughs> he's saying, "Hey, that's that's a strong option for you." Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, if, if the, I think maybe you could put it like, not like, do you have do you have lust? Like, yeah, but like, if this is going to be something that you is a dominant part of your desires and what you want to be part of your life, then marriage is the way that that's going to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It it does really help. It does really help. <laughs> For sure.
0: Yeah. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It doesn't solve the problem. Number one, people, you know, lust after others generally. Also what can happen a lot of times, I've seen this happen, is people get married and their sexual relationship dies. Yeah. Two years, five years, ten years, at some point. And now what? You know, like
1: <sighs> Yeah, if your hope was in that and kind of the biggest reason why you're getting married okay now your hope isn't in that anymore who's it in what's it in
0: i know a guy that watched porn on his wedding night after he and his wife c- consummated oh my
1: gosh wow
0: so that's just showing how it wasn't it didn't even take like a year six weeks you know it's kind of like oh he struggled with porn Well us always say struggle with, well maybe he struggled let's I mean, fair let's put it that way he struggled with porn you know, and he to some extent I kind of thought like okay this this will help this, getting married, and you know, I'll have an outlet and oh,
1: um man
0: now the good news is since then there's been a victory, and that's not part of his life anymore, and he and his wife are I believe in love and sexually healthy, like but it wasn't because he got married and had sex.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, literally within the the hour <laughs> of his first time, so it wasn't like it was old hat. It was like, okay, this is the moment you've been waiting for this is it and then so it's a yes to to drive home the point that um yeah sexual partner is not the solution for sexual sin yeah so that's crazy so anyway hey i want to mention um well never mind i'll skip that okay Mm -hmm. is it um is it sinful to remain single if i struggle with is it so we kind of talked about the adoption thing, but you had another question. Is it sinful to have children adopt or sperm donor without marrying? Do you know one person who's considering that or has considered that? Uh, I mean, not that it's not worth discussing, but I always just wonder, like, all right, let's deal with reality here. Do you know a single person who's like a Christian who's like, I want to have a baby, and so I'm going to get a sperm donor?
1: It's but definitely been an idea that's like been thrown at the wall. Yeah. I don't know how, how heavily serious. considered it is, but it's kind of like if I like, you know, just being broken hearted over I am not attracted to the opposite sex at all, complete like vomit in my mouth, you know. <laughs> and and but I but I do want to have kids, you know, like I want to have a family and you know, adoption is one route. But there's a that, it'd be, be nice to have my own route. flesh
0: I, I wouldn't be yeah. prepared to say that's sin. I don't know what I would point to. Yeah. I guess I would just say, man. Yeah, I would say your first consideration would could be maybe <laughs> adoption because of the they're out there now. Right. Um. But yeah, I don't. I don't have a verse where I would say that's that's sin. It's I could see why people would stigmatize you, and you might want to keep that to yourself. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't stand up. My, to me, the test is always: Will I stand at the front from the pulpit and say, "This is sin you need to repent of"? Uh-huh. And my answer is like, I couldn't do that. And maybe, you know, if someone wants to educate me on something, I'm not considering, I'm, I'm willing, but.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I don't see that like if, again, like if if your convictions are there and that's what God is calling you to and obviously seeking wisdom and, and being saturated in prayer and the scripture for having children, in general, I think having children in general, like, I mean, yeah, Keegan and I, went through a good long season of praying like okay God like when when do you want us to start a family and like we want a family but we also want to be responsible and not reckless but we also want to trust you and your provision and how even if we are like we have nothing you know we could still live risky and believe and, and in faith and have kids You know, so there's just a lot there and it looks different for everyone, I think. You know, I don't wanna, I never wanna say to someone, you know, oh, like you can't do that or you should do that or I don't know their heart. I don't know their their sin tendencies or uh, God knows them, you know, so I can give wisdom and point them to scripture and pray for them. But at at the end of the day, like I want God's voice to be the loudest in their life. <clears throat>
0: One of the things you mentioned in here is that you'd like to hear where Redeemer stands on a few things, and then you went through some of this stuff. Like, um, so I guess hearing from me is kind of hearing where Redeemer stands. I don't think any of the pastors on our team would disagree with anything that we discussed. Was there anything else that you wonder what Redeemer? And we don't do a lot of series on this stuff, you know. I mean, yeah. mostly because, um. Well, I don't know. I guess you could do a series. I just view podcasts generally as a better outlet for this kind of stuff because of all the nuance. And I certainly have talked about sex from the pulpit. Um, Well, you've talked about gender
1: roles and and complementarianism and stuff. And
0: then there's one on one conversation. So there's a lot of (laughs) outlets for that, you know. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Anything else that specifically, Uh, what is Redeemer's position or belief or blah, blah, blah?
1: Yeah, I mean. I, f- I feel like a phrase from you is like well it's nuanced <laughs> um which I agree with you know like I would say we all well you're like everyone's gay
0: yeah I would say
1: <laughs> I would say like yeah we all have i think to an extent a same-sex attraction um and if we don't well, to
0: be clear what I mean by that is it's it's in there as a potential because you know you see someone out there I could certainly oh, okay. see someone out there going well I haven't I haven't Felt that, it's like, but okay, I mean, fair, you right.
1: can acknowledge beauty and and be like, oh, that's a that's an attractive man or that's well, an that's attractive woman. Saying,
0: that's different than <clears throat> saying,
1: yeah, you're not lusting after no, them. No. no, yeah, no. Um, well, but I would say that we all <clears throat> are fluid to an extent that like we all have feminine traits and masculine traits um, in our personalities.
0: Okay, so now we get into the gender thing. Um, which earlier in the conversation you said uh, I I don't remember how you put it something to the extent of like kind of confused about the whole gender thing
1: the okay the transgender thing because it's completely different um, from same sex attraction mm-hmm. so there's sexuality um, that the LGBT studies wants to teach it this way there's there's your biological sex which is what you're born with and anatomically on your body and your dna um that's biological then there's your sex sexuality which is who you're attracted to and who you're not attracted to and who you know who you want to sleep with and then there's your gender which is how you present yourself so presenting yourself as masculine, as feminine, as a little bit of both. So there's there's non binary folks that you could maybe lump into the transgender camp, but they mostly are like, I don't wanna be a label, I wanna be just me and whatever I feel like on, on a day to day basis.
0: Yep. So here's here's what I <laughs> would you I think this is worth a whole nother podcast. Okay. Would you be down? Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, I could speak to that a little bit, but, yeah, I think we need a a full hour on this. And, yeah, I like the way you frame that. You have a good grasp on kind of the basic kind of uh, definitions and categories. Um, So, yeah, I have a lot to share on that and a lot of critique of that, but also a critique of um, traditional culture in the church. Like, let me give one example. Like, part of the confusion is that we are putting improper expectations on, on men and women, even in the church, mm-hmm. right? So what, what do we mean when we define gender roles? And, and so I, I don't talk about it necessarily the way a lot of churches do. So, for example, I've listened to a pastor. I won't name names, but world-famous pastor. He says, you know what it means to be a man? You work hard all day and you go to bed tired. And I'm just like, so women aren't to do that? <laughs> Come on, man so we have not helped in that and i think it's really really nuanced and complicated so yeah i think we, we could spend some some time on that for sure so
1: and pronouns how do we re- wrestle with those as believers you know do we lie to people and call them what they want us to call them yes or do we That's call true. them what they're we just lie to people to call them
0: generally or
1: do we just use their names that's an easy cop-out just use their name never never say they them she her he him just say (laughs) stacy you know because people have nicknames so i feel like that's a good way to get around it.
0: well one of the questions i have and again this is why we need a whole hour is okay i was talking with my staff about this the other day so okay if if i know what female means and I know what woman means because in my worldview, there a woman is a female, right? Mm-hmm. But if I if I grant you that you've dis you've disassociated <coughs> these things and you've said, um, okay, I'm a female genetically, but I'm a man in my gender. My question is, what do you, what is a man? What do you mean? I know what I mean. I mean, someone with these particular chromosomes. But what do you mean? Mm-hmm is there an actually defined list somewhere? Mm-hmm. And if someone doesn't agree with that 100%, are they not a man anymore? Are they, mm-hmm. so what, what, what will end up is that this thing has been untethered from any reality and it's just become chaos. Mm-hmm. Like, And then if you go to the fluid thing, of like, well, there's actually 100 pronouns, but what does each of those mean? When you say you're a Xur, like, what's associated with that? How did you know? And how should I, is there a list that I get to go through and it's go- It's
1: so hard to keep track of all of those too. Like. I, I want to like love people well and like help them feel welcome and in, to an extent, but it's like ah, like I can barely remember your name. How do I remember all your pronouns and yikes? Well, and then
0: you got the idea that you can be fluid individually, like from moment to moment, right? And now, yeah, you know, you could just you know I would yeah.
1: and you don't want to misgender someone they get offended or well some there's some really cool people out there that don't get offended or you don't want to um, uh, yeah you don't want to accidentally offend someone so it's like you don't want to miss. I don't or even know or unnecessarily
0: alright so yeah. again we, we've gone about an hour here which is usually what I shoot <clears> for <throat> so let's revisit this we'll brainstorm some kind of okay. questions and topics and then uh, we'll come back because I think this is this is obviously really important too and uh yeah, these, I know someone in my family who is, who has transitioned. Yeah. And um,
1: a lot of us, I think, are there. We know probably one person.
0: So that's the reality is like, okay, they're in the room. Yeah. What are you going to do? How are you going to behave? What do you, like, this isn't just theory. Right. Um, so there is theory that we need to think through and talk through and get our theology right. And there's the reality on the ground of being Christ-like, loving people and, wrestling through all these things so yeah, yeah we'll revisit it um mo raya mo raya thank you it's thank been you. good appreciate it and um thanks to all of you for tuning in and we'll see you soon